This podcast is brought to you by GG Poker. GG Poker won huge tournaments and hold the Guinness World Record for the largest prize pool for an online poker tournament. As the world's biggest online poker room, GG Poker are making poker fun again. GG Poker offers exciting game formats and software features that aren't available anywhere else. So why play anywhere else? Plus, if you're new to GG Poker, get £60 free play when you make your first deposit of £10 or more. Players must be 18 plus. Full terms and conditions apply. Please see ggpoker.co.uk for details. BeGambleAware.org. Please play responsibly. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the Marketers Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct-to-consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more.
Welcome to a Celtic State of Mind. I'm Paul John Dykes. And for the Thursday Bulletin, I'm normally joined by Declan and JP. Last week we missed Declan because he was suffering from COVID. Welcome back, Declan McConville. How are you feeling? Cheers, Paul. Yep, um, on the main now, so just a week and a warning saying to anybody take it seriously it's not nice and if you can you know make sure you wash your hands with a mask whatever um, it's not nice but yep beat the virus so I'm back you're back and by the way uh, you know the virus will be spoken about on today's bulletin you might notice the headline down the bottom stepping in for JP Mason is Colin Watt welcome back Colin we know that JP normally has the number over his shoulder I figured it out it's 26 days to Mitchelland right and we'll be talking about that we'll be chatting about Neil Lennon's latest outbursts where he takes aim at Ian Maxwell and Lee Griffiths this time round who's next uh, on the radar for Neil Lennon we'll be talking also um, sorry what's that Colin is that a wee self portrait on there uh, it's just tw- it's 26 oh, I'm just doing GP 26 well done well done mate you're uh, you you're sitting in to the hot seat but there's plenty of other, other topics to discuss in the world of Celtic we'll start off with this morning's interview and um, the way really that you know Neil Lennon seems to be burning bridges left right and centre mm-hmm. he's still talking about um, Dubai in terms of the COVID the COVID rules and the protocols rather than questioning himself as to why Celtic were there in the first place. And he's responded to the interview given by Lee Griffiths yesterday. Let's start off with that. That's a decent wee topic to get our teeth into first and foremost. Declan, Lee Griffiths is still under contract with the club. He has confirmed he's under contract until the end of this month, but that he is in discussions with Ange Postacoglu about extending his stay at Celtic Park. First and foremost, I stuck it out in a tweet the other day. Let's say it divided opinion. What side of the fence are you on, Dick? Yeah, I'm still probably on the side of the fence. I was, we checked about this a few weeks ago, that, you know, to me, we Griffiths let us down in our biggest season. and um, But, you know, unless we're going to bring in somebody of similar quality or get the right covering, which I don't trust us to actually do. It's a case of, you know, I heard what Brian was saying the other day too, we might be stuck with him because we're probably not going to go out and spend money to replace him. Mm-hmm. So in my opinion, I probably wouldn't offer him a new contract, but I think it's very likely that the club will offer him a new contract. That was my take entirely, Declan, a la Anthony Ralston. I think what got people a wee bit hot under the collar was the fact that I called him a goal-scoring machine. Colin Watt, you've already commented on this. You seem to forget that last season he played a massive part in winning the quadruple treble Scottish Cup final. The season before that he played a massive part in Celtic turning things around after the defeat against Rangers. Are you still going to stick to that side of the argument? What's your thoughts, Colin? 26 days to the first competitive game the only recognised strikers um, are Ayete and Bayo we don't know what's happening with Edward at the moment will he play against Mitchelland what's your thoughts are you changing your thoughts in any way shape or form around Griff no no sticking exactly what I said yesterday um, I do understand the, the whole thing about you're kind of stuck in this scenario and it's a horrible scenario that we find ourselves in that you're literally accepting someone to come back who 
in normal times you'd be like, right, okay, it's the end of the road, it's time to, to part ways, but we're now at a stage where we can't even afford, not financially, but just for the benefit of the squad, we can't afford for this guy to leave the club because, as you said, there's no one else there. We've painted ourselves into a corner, Colin, yeah, haven't we? That's that's the standard that we've that we've slipped down to, and that's a horrible position to find ourselves in. Um, but I'd like to think that we can recover and be back from that. So, ideally, Lee Griffiths wouldn't get a new contract. Now, as I said yesterday, if it's between him and Charlie White, then it's Lee Griffiths. But you've got to think that Anne has been sitting in that hotel room in London for the last ten days or so. Looking at targets, you've seen a couple that's now coming out into the press today. Mm. You'd like to think that we have got something going forward that we can say, this is the kind of player that we want to pick up and not pick up someone who hasn't really done... There's someone said in the comment section yesterday, oh, you talked about um, in last scoring 40 goals when Ronnie Dial was there. It was the last time he was a first-choice striker. That's the last time that he deserved to be the first-choice striker. There hasn't been any point where you've said... Well, Lee Griffiths should definitely be your number one striker because the players that have come in have done better than him. Now, people were saying Edward Dembele, there were far better players than him. He had to improve his game to show why he was worth playing for Celtic and why he was worth getting that jersey. And I don't think he has done it. But today, that outburst from Neil Lennon on him, I think that was totally uncalled for and it's about time the two of them put it behind each other. Well, let's talk about that outburst from Neil Lennon. He spoke about he did let himself down, says Neil. He's on full pay for three months during lockdown. He comes back totally out of condition, a stone overweight. That was totally unacceptable. Now, there isn't much of that I disagree with because you're a professional footballer. And a wee bit like Declan, when I'm doing research into days gone by, Declan, you speak to the players of the 60s and the 70s, they used to tell you stories about how there was a group of players who struggled with their weight, who would come back every pre-season, a stone and a half, sometimes two stone overweight. And the pre-season training was all about them shifting that weight. And what they did during uh, those times, which apparently is very unhealthy and shouldn't be done because it's, uh, it's bad for your health, is they would put bin liners under their training jerseys so that they could sweat the weight off and generally and the players that I've spoken to who uh, had issues with weight were people like George Conley Pat McCluskey Bobby Murdoch they all carried far too much weight over the summer and they got rid of it now Neil Lennon's having a go at uh, Lee Griffiths for coming back overweight my question would be if you're in lockdown for three months you don't just say to your players Declan make sure you keep fit there needs to be something in place where the club are monitoring the players. So you don't come back a stone overweight. Now, I'm not saying for a moment this, you know, that Lee Griffiths is, is, is not to blame entirely for this. What I'm saying is that there needs to be responsibility on the part of the club and on the part of the manager of that player to ensure that they're being monitored. And say after two or three weeks, Declan, you've been indulging in too many kebabs or whatever your vice is, right? And you're piling on a few pounds. It's identified at an early stage by a club like Celtic, who've got access to everything. You know, we're not talking the 60s and 70s now where the physiotherapist had a, a heat lamp. We've got departments, we've got staff, we've got people looking at data analytic, uh, analytics, analysis and science and diet. You know, so 
For me, I don't think that rings entirely true. Yeah, Lee Griffiths is a professional sportsman on full pay for three months and it's his responsibility, certainly, to keep fit. However, it's also the responsibility of the club to monitor that fitness, Declan. What's your thoughts on that? No, I would 100% agree with you. I mean, I've got a, a smartwatch, I've got an Apple watch and it monitors loads of different stuff. If I go for a walk, um, it tells me how many steps I've did, how many calories I've burned, tells me my heart rate and whatever. You know, multiple images of Scott Brown last season he had his Apple Watch on which I guess was tracking probably what he was doing and whatever he was putting in so Celtic a club the size of Celtic and probably the majority of football clubs across this country will even have this very simple systems as that where things can be monitored they mm. will check in with players they will ask players to send analytics over they can break them down and have a look they'll be in specialised diets obviously you can't see what a player's eating all the time but surely there becomes a point when you're constantly saying Okay, can we get your weight? Can we see what we've done this week, fitness-wise? And the Spurs documentary, I get football clubs are obviously adapting adapting to a situation they've never been in before. But there's a there's an image in the Spurs documentary when Mourinho's standing and he's got each and every single player on a screen where they can see all of them, seeing what they're up to. So you know, I think players had an individual responsibility, one hundred percent. But I think the club had an individual responsibility to make sure that we still kept players in top four and you know with the way some people came back and with the way some people lasted in games it looks like that never happened and again that's a collective it's not just one person doing that it's every single department in the club as well mm-hmm. as individual um, responsible for it The thing is Colin we know <clears throat> through Friends of the Podcast and I, I'm calling it a podcast it's no longer a podcast Friends of a Celtic State of Mind that during that period Lee Griffiths was training and he was mm-hmm. training on his own and he was using facilities um, to, to ensure that his fitness didn't dip. Now, he's obviously put on weight um, and Neil Lennon has revealed that, rightly or wrongly, publicly, that he, that he put on a stone. You know, should Neil Lennon say that? Probably not. It's probably about time Neil Lennon um, had a look at his own responsibility in relation to last season. And you're sniggering because I wasn't talking about Neil Lennon's condition. I'm talking about the responsibility that he has to take on board for last season. But again, what's your thoughts, Colin? Yeah, the responsibility uh, partly is with the player, but surely the club have to monitor it. Uh, There was a bit in the interview which I actually did agree with Neil Lennon, um, which is when he was speaking about Lee Griffiths' game. And he says that Lee Griff- a lot of Lee Griffiths' game comes down to his speed. Um, and how many times have we seen him when he was playing up top on his own? He would be the out ball for Celtic. He would go and chase down balls. Mm-hmm. He would get beyond that def- last defender and stick the ball in the back of the net. And he was saying because of his physique, um, he wasn't set up to be that striker. And therefore, his game had totally changed and it didn't suit the way that Celtic played and it didn't suit the way that Lee Griffiths could be a part of that Celtic side. Now, that's the one bit I did agree with. The other part, the, the rest of it though, the coming in and basically, he basically had a go at him saying that he didn't think that Lee Griffiths had it in him to ever get back to that standard. Yeah. Who 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 is he to say that? Really? I mean, this is a year on from the, the kind of scenario where he's left behind when the team goes to France for the mm-hmm. pre-season. Mm-hmm. He's also left the club from uh, from that point. Neil Lennon's left the club and says, well, John would have known uh, what his temperament was like, so John made a decision on him and playing for the rest of the season. Yeah, well, yeah. Where, 
he has to move on. Why is he going over this ground over and over again on Lee Griffiths? Or on any subject uh, exactly. in relation to last season, Colin. Well, what benefit does he get out of this now? It's not well, as if people's made their decision. Even yeah. listening to that today, no one's going to listen to that and go, do you know what, I was wrong. Or if there is, there'll be very few people. People have already made their mind up on it. If anything, I think all his outbursts that he's come out has turned some of the fans that were still sticking with him mm-hmm. against them. Mm-hmm. What kind of PR exercise is that? You said, what benefit does it have for Neil Lennon? I think that the benefit is that he is trying to set the narrative so that he can get another job in football. Now, one of the points he makes there, and you were quite rightly, um, to, quite right to say it, Colin, he said that John Kennedy decided that he wasn't in the right frame of mind or condition to play for Celtic. Again, he shouldn't be referring to Lee Griffiths' state of mind or frame of mind. He probably should have said state of mind. Frame of mind, right? Because, again, that's disclosure that he shouldn't be making uh, on a a public network. Absolutely not. But the the problem that I've got with that is that he's then gone on, like you say, to say that uh, he won't reach those levels again to play at the top level for Celtic in Europe. I'm going to make a prediction right here. Lee Griffiths will perform at a higher level than Neil Lennon ever will as a manager from here on in. Now, I think that Neil Lennon was wrong uh, to go for the jugular today with Lee Griffiths, but in answer to your question, who's benefiting? Neil Lennon's benefiting. It's all about brand Lennon now, Colin, and the people that have stood up for Neil Lennon, regardless of performance, regardless of the outbursts, and regardless of last season, as the bus was careering towards the edge of the cliff, they still stood up for him. Um, They've got to realise that the stubbornness of that manager had a lot to do with last season's performances. See, last season, Colin, you're talking there about the way that Celtic played. I see that as a stubbornness. You play to your strengths. Mm -hmm. So instead of looking at the fact that I'm going to punish Lee Griffiths by leaving him behind. I think there was five or six left behind at that time, wasn't there, when we went to France? Mm -hmm. I'm going to leave him behind. I mean, if you do that, how's that going to benefit the player? Do you honestly think that that's going to give Lee Griffiths the jag he needs to become fit, to be in to use Neil Lennon's words, the right frame of mind for the new season. He's then a bit part player for the entire season. So by the time John Kennedy comes round, and I said on a podcast, he should start playing him, mm-hmm. you've already ground Edwards into the point of near submission where he's playing every minute of every single game. And this is a player last week, uh, last season, Declan, who suffered from COVID. And you've just explained to us how much that hits you on a physical level. Eddie never got a break last season. I know he had a bad season. I know he looked disinterested. But how great would it have been to look at the season before and say, you know what, see when I partnered Griffiths and Edward up front together, it breathed new life into this team. Rather than looking at that, Neil Lennon's been stubborn and he and he's basically punished Lee Griffiths and I think he's punished them all season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that, but, but Colin said earlier, I think it's time for the both of them to move on on this, you know. Mm-hmm. We're just going over old ground and the same thing. At this point in time, Lee Griffiths is still under contract at Celtic Football Club and should be doing his best to get himself in the shape that he wants to be to prove himself. As for Neil Lennon, whatever he'll take on as a media role or whatever, could look forward to that and go our separate ways and there's no point keep going over this stuff you know see the, the thing is on that as well there's only one person that comes out of this 
with the opportunity to prove himself, and it is Lee Griffiths. 100%. Lee Griffiths has got, if he does sign this new deal, which he, he himself has come out and said is in the pipework. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct-to-Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Yep. Then he's yep. got that opportunity this year to prove everybody wrong that has said that he didn't deserve it, including myself. He's got yep. 12 months to prove that. But, I mean... <laughs> have, we got, have we got a wager on this, Colin? Because I know we do have <laughs> one on Luca Connell for next season. So um, We'll work on that one. We'll work on that. No, you're right. He talks about deflection. Um, he says you should only talk about yourself. My message to Neil Lennon would be practice what you preach in relation to that. Move on. Uh, and whatever you do in life, uh, you know, you don't have to keep bringing up last season. We'll come back to the, the fallout we had with Ian Maxwell because there is loads of other topics to discuss. Do you think, though, that the culture created last season, and that was a word used by Lenny during the season, is something that you bring in the new man, you bring in Ange, you bring in Dominic Mackay, that culture, uh, once all the players come back, Colin, is something that, you know, pretty quickly you will see a change in approach from the players. Now, where I'm going with that is, uh, obviously, Callum McGregor has been at the forefront of a lot of discussions recently. Mm -hmm. Again, I think he played far too much football in the last four or five seasons. Uh, But he looked tired, he looked jaded last season. And, you know, some of the post-batch interviews he gave, he he looked and sounded completely cheesed off with what Mm -hmm. was happening at the club. He played two games at the Euros, Colin. I think he impressed in both games. Ange Postecoglou has referenced both performances and said he was very impressed. And we've spoken about a new manager and the new manager bounce that certain players get. And I know that a lot of people have used the Martin O'Neill, Bobby Petter angle. And I've said, well, I think Stan Petrov was, you know, uh, benefiting far greater than uh, Petter ever did under Martin O'Neill. Do you think Callum McGregor's going to be key to that with a new approach, a new manager? Um, And, and, you know, we'll see the Callum of old because I was really impressed with the two games he played for Scotland. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned the amount of games that Callum's played. I think over the last three or four seasons, he must be playing close to 200-odd games for both club and country. Uh, it might not sound a lot to some people but I mean it wasn't as if he was playing half an hour here or 60 minutes here most times he was playing 90 minutes two three times a week Um, and that will take a lot out of him there wasn't someone that was coming in and giving him the chance to sit out the last 15-20 minutes he was playing those 90 minutes but there's one thing that can go above the level of fitness and it's the kind of idea of the adrenaline behind uh, performances now Scotland should have been dead on their feet against England they were chasing that ball around for the best part of 90 minutes but you never seen anybody give up because they knew how important that can be you've seen it at Celtic Park before as well when big Champions League nights when mm. we went down to the last couple of minutes and we've got those last minute goals 
and it's went beyond the fitness levels because they've got themselves really perked up and the adrenaline's pumping for that game. I think last season there wasn't a lot of that within the team. So games against perhaps your St Mirrens and your Ross Counties where we did lose it, I don't think the team was up for it. And then when it got to the stage of 60, 70 minutes when the natural tiredness kicks in, there wasn't that second win to get them forward. And that's where we lost out in them games. But you have seen it for Scotland, at least with Callum McGregor, that he they have managed to find that second win. He has went on and played really well for the 90 minutes. So if that's something that Postacoglu can install within the Celtic team is this never give up, never say die attitude. And we can really look forward to every single game and get the team going for every single game. Then hopefully we can see the best out of Callum McGregor. I hope so. Declan, what's your thoughts on McGregor? We've spoken quite a bit over the last couple of weeks around him taking the captain's armband. I think that's a given. We looked at all the different options. He's definitely the vice captain. Um, But also because of the good performances, do you think that we're going to have to, we're maybe going to have a fight in our hands to keep him? Because obviously some of the premiership clubs down south have been looking at the likes of Edward and Ayer. Is McGregor going to be on the radar? I'm sure he probably has been in the radar for a while, you know, and I'm a bit of a McGregor fanboy, but I thought he was outstanding under Brendan Rodgers. Um, I think he's one of the, you know one of the best players that we've got at our disposal. And against England on Friday night, I thought it was absolutely outstanding. Just his whole performance, the way he spread the ball about, the way he broke up play, he was breaking the lines, he was chasing the ball. I just thought he was absolutely outstanding. And I think, you know, Colin makes a really important point, and I think you see that in January when we come back from the Dubai debacle youth players and players who hadn't got a chance got a chance and didn't show any hunger at all for me probably one of the best players in one of those games was Anfred Alston which was just like what is going on here and I think that was against Hibs or Livingston Livingston possibly Anfred Alston I thought he played really well yeah lovely and uh, Mm -hmm. you know it actually showed then that there was a lack of hunger and with the way results were going there's probably players sitting there thinking hope I don't get picked because you knew you were just going out for, you know, what became the norm, a disappointing draws, especially during that period that we went 2-12 and 12 or whatever it was, a terrible run. Mm. You probably wouldn't want to be picked as a player and get thrown in that environment. But I think Callum McGregor could flourish under a new management system. Um, we saw how well he worked under Ronnie Dyla, how well he worked under Brendan Rodgers. He was very good in the, the nine-in-a-row season under Neil Lennon. There's no reason why, you know, he's not old a new man can come in give him fresh ideas change his game a bit maybe um, it depends on what they want him to do I mean for mm. Scotland it was kind of playing as like a kind of number 8 which I think he's a lot better in playing it whereas a lot of the time last season he was basically playing as a number 6 and trying to <coughs> make up ground for Scott Brown so yeah I think we've still got a good player there and I think uh, you know as long as he's ever I think you've still to see a lot more from Callum McGregor and getting Mike Hoops it's interesting you, you talk about these days a player as a number eight, a number six, and a number ten because that, that's how my brain works, Colin, because I'm old school when it comes to that. Um, but I think your number six would be Sorrow, surely, and your number ten is probably up for debate. It would be Turnbull in my book, but we're, we're going to have a wee chat around that first lineup later on in today's show. Um, but let's bring in some of the comments coming in. Uh, Patrick Murphy coming in from YouTube. Welcome to the show, Patrick. Over the years, I defended Neil Lennon, but his refusal to lay blame on himself for last season's failures is unacceptable. Have you noticed he's never linked to big jobs? He's not well thought of as a coach. Well, we will wait and see where his next move is. David Kelly also on YouTube. And if you're watching on YouTube, make sure you subscribe 
as well. Um, I've got eight items sitting here in the studio, framed. They're signed. Signed jerseys, signed prints, etc. Uh, and we will be giving them away to subscribers very soon on prize draws. So get subscribing. Uh, David Kelly, not a fan of Lennon at all, but he is right in the way that some COVID rules are applied differently by the SFA. But he really needs to remove himself from the media. His reputation is in tatters. We'll have a wee chat about the flashpoints uh, with Ian Maxwell as well. And welcome back in France W, um, Celtic and Villa on the Avatar. Great to see in here Ange is at Lennox Town that was a wee misprint there Lennon Town Lennox Town it starts right here for real yes so uh, Ange Postacoglu visited Lennox Town yesterday for the first time and he will be taking his first training session later on this afternoon here's a wee one for you guys Celtic have invited us and others along to the press conference tomorrow. Now, this is interesting because um, I've been reading a bit of criticism about so-called fan or alternative media getting into bed with the club or with the mainstream in relation to their output. But we've been invited along tomorrow to speak to Ange Postacoglu and Dominic Mackay. So, first and foremost, Colin, as an outlet of Celtic content, which provides the content to Celtic supporters, surely that's a no-brainer. You don't refuse because you think, you know, you're some kind of plastic revolutionary online and you don't deal with the club directly. We're getting offered an opportunity to speak to the new gaffer and the new CEO. You take that willingly, don't you, Colin? I would say so. I think it's a, a great thing that Celtic are starting to work with fan media a lot closely now. Um, I think the the best way to look at it is everyone that's here in the comments section, everyone that subscribes to the channel, everyone that speaks to us on social media, that speaks to us in person when they meet us, they've all got their own opinions and they would all love to put that opportunity to Celtic, to the Celtic board. Now, a lot of people do it through getting in touch with John Paul Taylor, um, and I think he does a fantastic job as well. But this is an opportunity now for us as fan media to have that ability to raise these questions that are discussed on a daily basis to the club, to get the direct feedback from them, and then to continue the discussion that way, instead of us just in here speaking about what we see in the, the press from the mainstream media, what comes out, what we're hearing from fans, what we're hearing from uh, different people. You just want to be part of that conversation and that's all I think a Celtic State of Mind strive to do is be part of that conversation whether it be with the fans and now this opportunity with the club so I think it's a great thing I think it's brilliant that the club are embracing it Colin uh, I know for a fact that Dominic Mackay has been contacting people directly and some of the groups directly as well this is something I don't think we would have expected from uh, the previous regime uh, the previous CEO, there's no way he would give you a call uh, to, to introduce himself. And for Dominic Mackay to take the time out, Declan, to do that, shows a completely different approach. And I don't think, because there are going to be cynical kind of voices around this saying they're trying to get in bed with you guys so they can influence your narrative. I don't think it's about that. I think it's about the club taking on board that what we're doing is we're providing content to a wide section of the Celtic fan base and they are allowing us to speak to you like last season. We spoke to Fran Alonso, John Kennedy, David Turnbull, Scott Brown and others and already this season we're going in to speak to Ange I'm calling him Ange as if I know him, and uh, Dominic Mackay. 
I mean, it's a positive, is it not? For yourself as a, a student of media and, and journalism, it's something that you've got to embrace, haven't you? Yeah, I think you do. I mean, you can still remain an independent voice as well as going along to press conferences, you know. And at times, there's, there's plenty of people in the Scottish press. I know folk aren't too keen on. And why not allow people from Celtic podcasts that they tune into and probably takes opinion a wee bit more seriously than, than those in um, the mainstream in newspapers and radio, you know. And as well as that, me and Amy are both of a similar age. We've been doing the podcast for a long time. It's a great opportunity you know, it'll probably present ourselves at one point during this um, campaign that we might get to go along ourselves too. So I think, you know, for some big companies, you don't get that opportunity. Whereas for this as well, it's also letting us all, young and older people, try something new, get in the mix. You know, for people like myself that want to go into the media, it's a great opportunity. So no, I think it's a great positive step from the club. I think they need to try and reconnect with supporters. I think this mm-hmm. is one simple, small step that they can do. And, you know, get what the feeling of the fans is because I'm sure everybody that will go in there on uh, tomorrow will go in with a fresh mindset and will ask some very good questions. So, yeah, I don't see any problem with it. And again, as I said, you can still remain an independent voice with your own viewpoints, but go along and ask questions. Absolutely. And the big thing as well, Declan, anybody who wants to give us their burning questions they can do it they can do it on here they can do it on social media and obviously we won't get the opportunity to ask them all and and I'm pretty sure some of the outlets will already ask the question as normally happens Colin you've been impressed Mm -hmm. as yourself so you've got to have a collection of questions just in case the first 12 that you've got written down are going to be asked before you get the chance Um, but you're right I mean Declan you're obviously studying the subject as is Amy I won't be the guy that goes to the press conference tomorrow because it's not all about one individual it's about spreading that around the group we've got some brilliant people coming in from the local university here into the studio and uh, you know setting up their own shows getting involved in existing shows and it's all about really just building that confidence and the knowledge and experience of people who down the line will be on the telly and we'll be in the on the news sources. So, yeah, we need to get the Axrom furry um, mic covers ordered, Colin, for such times. But I'm going to ask, I'm going to put you on the spot, Colin, what, first and foremost. One question you would ask Ange Postacoglu tomorrow at this press conference, what would it be? Uh, I think the, the most pressing thing is to find out what his thoughts are on the first training session and what he's identified as what the key areas are that we need to strengthen going forward. I think that's what a lot of fans will be interested in finding out is this is the first time he's he's seen quite a few of his players in the flesh. Mm-hmm. Um, because he's taking his first training session, I believe it's today at Lennox Town, even though he was there yesterday. I think that was a bit of a, a media tour for Celtic TV yesterday. But he's getting to take these players in training today. He's obviously watched clips of them before. What impressed him? What does he need to strengthen on? What's his key focus for this season? That's that's what the fans want to know and it's something that if he's assured in the way that he comes across with it, fans will be able to buy into him. Mm. What about yourself, Declan? First question for the incoming boss, Ange Postacoglu. A wee bit controversial, but I would probably like to ask him um, how how um, talks went along with Dominic Mackay, whether he was in constant contact throughout the whole how mm. debacle, you know, because um, we all know that that was where we wanted to go, but I would like to know 
how far that ran, how much contact I actually had with the club, and that would actually tell us if the club were really doing their due diligence and not just putting all their eggs into one basket. So maybe a bit controversial, but I would like to know the answer to that. I think that's very interesting that you say that, Dec, because I was watching the interview that he gave, like Colin says, he gave the interview yesterday. And one of the things that, that jumped out at me, first and foremost, he says Callum was outstanding when he was talking about Callum McGregor. Um, he's talking about, you know, he's got 26 days to prepare his team for the, the Champions League qualifier against Mitchell and we'll talk about that as well. But he went on to say I already had some familiarity with it when talking about Lennox Town. Now, we're in the game of looking at every interview and trying to pull every nuance from everything that's said about Celtic so maybe I'm reading too much into it but he already had some familiarity and I, I instantly thought Declan this was along the same lines of has he been an option in the long term and I mean long term as long as we've been looking for a manager has he been on our radar for some time Colin what do you think I know that there's these links with the City Group and uh, his previous club are partly owned by the City Group has he been somebody that's been on our radar for a while I believe if you go back to his first interview that was um, put out when he was confirmed as the manager, he did mention that he'd spent time in Scotland before. So you, you do wonder if maybe he's been to Lennox Town before, if he's um, seen it as part of maybe his training um, mm. that he's been doing for his badges. So when he says there's a familiarity there, you wonder if it's that. He also says that he hates Zoom. Which I absolutely As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. I agree with. I think Zoom, it was great at first, but it absolutely died a death about three months into this But pandemic. Colin, what everybody wants to know is why your, your Zoom, why your dialing is failing. I mean, what are you downloading in another room? That's uh, what we mate, want to know. I don't know what's going on here. I need to have a word with Mr. Virgin Media. After Colin knows. Colin, you know. <laughs> and you need to sort it out. Let, let me go back to what I was saying, though. Um, the idea that he's got that familiarity, it didn't look as if it came from having spoken to Kennedy and Strachan before. It was interesting watching him come in and Strachan saying, oh, nice to meet you. It was like... Maybe they've spoken, but it doesn't feel as if he's managed to put that relationship together with them. And the question that would probably follow up from what I had if you do would be, are you starting to work on your own backroom staff or are you happy mm. with what you've got? Interesting. It's interesting because, you know, Declan uh, quickly mentioned Eddie Howe and how's that going for you, Eddie, uh, would be my question for him. Obviously, he was going to get carte blanche when it came to backroom team and that included director football not much has been mentioned about that though Declan has it would that form maybe a question for Dominic Mackay at tomorrow's uh, briefing yeah I think you know if they flip it and I was to ask Dom Mackay a question I would ask him you used the phrase modernisation in your interview with Celtic TV what does that mean and what does it look like Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, for you, Colin, what is the modernisation of Celtic Football Club? Is part of that the embracing of Celtic supporters? Because I think there's a, a huge part of the, the fan base who don't think that's been done uh, for some time at Celtic. I think the, he mentions about the modernisation from top to bottom, and I think there's a lot of things that need uh, brought up to standard across the, the in, entire club. Yeah. Um, when you look at the playing staff, does it mean that 
we're maybe looking at bringing in new technical coaches? Does it mean that we'll have a new focus on sports science? The way that we did have under Brendan Rodgers, but I'm not 100% sure what happened because he took a lot of his coaches down to Leicester with him. Yeah. Um, so did we ever replace that? There's obviously different protocols and different um, coaching methods that are that you have seen whilst working for the SRU. Mm-hmm. And that's not to do with how the game's played, but it's all around the, the fitness and um, the sort of mental aspect of that. Is that something he's maybe going to try and bring into the club as well? Um, and I guess it would come down to the, the idea of transfers as well. From what we understand, Gary Penrice is also gone, along with Nick Hammond. So who mm-hmm. is in charge of the scouting system there? Mm-hmm. Are we going to be modernising that as well? Are we going to have connections with other clubs? Um, the same way that the sort of city group is formed, not to the full extent that you own the club, but you've got partner clubs where you maybe loan players out to teams in different leagues, mm-hmm. um, which I think a lot of the clubs down south have really utilised. I think Chelsea send about 12 or 13 players to the one club every season, um, but they've got 10 or 11 clubs around Europe and around the world that they can loan these players to. Is that something that Celtic will be interested in, in building a network? There's a yeah. lot of things that could be part of the modernisation of the club. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm going to speak about one of them in just a second, Colin. But before I do that, uh, I don't want to focus solely on YouTube. We've got some comments coming in via Facebook. And a Facebook user has said, good to see you back, Declan. Big high five to you. As for Lenny and Griff, there's two sides of the story. The truth lies somewhere in the middle. And I think that uh, in the coming months, we'll probably be getting um, interviews with various players in various um, languages all across Europe talking about their time at Celtic and uh, the good, the bad and the ugly and we will be getting um, about this now here we go, Stevie Ray, will your questions be submitted ahead of the presser I assume fans want to know why the how deal dragged on Hammond's replacement Angie's backroom team when will the fans be back signings and sales, I think this is a thing uh, that Stephen brings up, these are all excellent points and you'd be going into the, the press conference with these points uh, and then it's just a, a lottery as to when you get asked to actually pose a question mm-hmm. uh, as I say most people have got all the juicy ones before you um, but the way that it's, it's set up is you don't submit anything uh, yeah. other than obviously the COVID kind of stuff that you need to submit, you don't submit questions so you, you can ask any question, I guess. I mean, if uh, it was unacceptable, you might not get asked back, but you could certainly ask anything and you don't have to get it vetted before you go into the press conferences as well. So I'm looking forward to that. A Celtic state of mind will be represented at tomorrow's press conference at Celtic Park. Um, and obviously we'll be welcoming uh, a new manager and a new CEO to the club. Uh, Modernisation, Colin. Part of the modernisation that I think was happening anyway and that we're working on and building on is the fact that there's other facets of the club. So we have the women's team playing Champions League football next season mm-hmm. and Celtic Colts uh, within the pyramid, which I see um, as a modernisation uh, method. You know, having a team underneath, and they're being referred to as a Celtic B team um, in any of the official Celtic uh, 
you know, uh, communication that they're putting out, mm-hmm. playing in the fifth tier of Scottish football. And, you know, brilliantly, and, and I think, and I mean this genuinely, that some of these games, I think 10 of the games across the women's game and the Colts team are going to be streamed live as part of your season ticket package next season. That kind of feeds into this membership idea, Colin, that we spoke about on the podcast a few mm-hmm. weeks ago. We've already seen that the club are starting to assemble their B-side Um you know, they're bringing players in. For example, we know uh, that Joey Dawson came in, 18-year-old came in from Scunthorpe. But the question I would ask, Colin, and I know you keep an eye on the, the wider squad, and that includes players mm-hmm. that have been out on loan, is there going to be a bit of a dilemma on splitting up the squad? Because there's a group of players for me, players like Connell, and I know you're a big fan, McEnroy, um, Robertson, Henderson, uh, Afal Abbey, where you ask yourself... Are they first-teamers? Are they just on the fringe of the first team? Are they too old? Have they been playing at too high a standard to then go down to the Colts? Is that a dilemma for you, Colin, or do you think they're first-teamers that will be on the fringes, they've got one more season to make an impression? How do you think we'll be able to deal with that? I think, and I may be wrong here, but I think there is an age limit to uh, the Colts team for next season. I believe it may be 21, although someone may come in and connect me there. So there is a couple of players... So Ralston will not be playing then? Pretty much. There's a couple of players that are kind of on the verge of that. You Mm -hmm. mentioned Luke McEnroy. I believe he's just about to turn 21. Uh, Luke O'Connell's only just turning 20. But then they were on loan. Well, Luke O'Connell was at least at Queen's Park last season. Mm-hmm. which is only the league below so it's an interesting one when you look at it that way is it more the fact that they're playing week in week out or is it the level that they're playing at now the interesting thing for me was when Celtic announced Joey Dawson when he came in it was made clear right away that he would be part of the Colts team for next season mm-hmm. as part of the, the press release that went out it says he will be moving into the Colts team they're playing in the Lowland League next season with a view of him playing in the first team or being part of the first team squad next year. Yeah. So that's obviously been put to him that this is the the plan for him and he's agreed to that and that's why he's signed for us. And there is quite a few players that are on the the sort of 19s to the the development squad that are on the verge of, well, do they move on? Do they go and play somewhere else? Do they they sign for someone else? You saw a couple of players that's been linked with Leeds over the last couple of days and Leo Helge and Anderson as well. We saw guys like um, Coffey and Morrison disappear over to Germany. This is now a chance for them to actually play. Uh, I don't mean to sound condescending here, but it's it's men's football. They're playing proper um, professional football. The teams that are in the Lowland League you don't want to sleep on them there's some actually very good players in there mm-hmm. um, players that have played at a high level that are coming to the end of the career um, and youngsters that are making the breakthrough that are on loan from some of these teams as well so they are going to be playing competitive games week in week out so it's a good opportunity for them but there is again that bunch of players that are maybe just too old for that level that yeah. you say will they then go out on loan next season like they have been doing over the last couple of years or are they part of that first team squad but with with the new manager coming in it's almost a fresh start for everybody so they've got the pre-season to prove whether they're a first team player or they will go out on loan Mm. I mean there is a a whole group of them Declan isn't there the names I mentioned will be a few more on top of that as well where you think to yourself if they're not part of the first team squad at that age and I think kind of 
once you get to 21, 20 even, you think to yourself, if you've not made an impression in the first team, and I think that there's exceptions to that rule. Callum McGregor was 21 when he made his debut for Celtic. Um, I don't know if Neil Lennon didn't fancy him, but he was 21 when he finally made his first appearance under Ronnie Dyla. Uh, but there's a group of players there that you know could fall by the wayside and they might not benefit by going to the Colts team. You know, playing at that kind of level and at that standard. I mean, the first the first fixtures have been announced. We're, we're starting off by playing Amy's team, Bonnie Rig Rose, followed by Ber- Berwick Rangers, East Kilbride, University Stirling, before the first game against Rangers um, uh, for the Colts as well. So what's your thoughts on it, Declan? Is this part of modernisation? Is this giving a pathway to young players coming to Celtic that up until now they've simply not had? Yeah, I think, you know, a pathway is definitely the word, a, a progression pathway that, you know, we were talking about earlier with, with Dawson, that it depends on what deals you offer to players or, or how you talk to them. If it's like, you know, what Colin was saying earlier, if you're offering a player, um, I don't know, a four-year deal and telling them you're going to be in the Colts team for one season with a view to then join the first team, mm-hmm. as long as you're offering that and they're understanding what they're getting, then I think it's a good thing because it's been something that we've definitely not had in a few seasons at Celtic Park or for a long time that we've not really, you know, the odd exception, I know, but in terms of what we've got there, we don't produce probably enough that we actually should like we used to. Mm-hmm. So I think it's important in the sense that there is a pathway, but again, guys that we mentioned there, Robertson, Connell, um, Henderson, they were all playing at a level that is, you know, with no disrespect to the low and league, much higher, you know, Ewan Henderson was playing at Dunfermline, who missed out in promotion. Yeah. Afalabi was at Dundee. Robertson was down in Doncaster. And I think he came back up and went somewhere else. Uh, and Connell again, won the league with Queen's Park and be playing League One football mm-hmm. if he was still their player. So it depends on what the balance is because you, you don't want players to drop a level when they're doing okay. Mm-hmm. You know, because they'll, they'll be able to apply their, their trade probably a lot better at maybe Adam Fairlane or a Queen's Park. But again, there are our players and we want them to show us a, a clear pathway and, you know, get them into that way of, of playing for Celtic, you know, putting on the jersey and going out there and hopefully um, all things going well post-August, there'll be crowds going to those games and they'll get a feel for it and get even mm. a wee bit of pressure on them and what it's like to play for the club. So I think it depends on how you sell it to the player. And again, it's however Ange Postacoglu wants to, you know, basically say to them how they can make that progress and break into the the first team. It's going to be important. Yeah, it was in, it was interesting, uh, Declan. You were speaking about the the games sort of post Dubai last year, and mm. that's where we saw some of these players actually given game time. Mm-hmm. And I don't think many of them actually impressed. No. So no. is that because of the fact that they weren't given the chance to be part of the first team squads? Um, before that were they just thrown in from the cold or is it generally the fact that they haven't reached that level and they've not reached that level because there's been no reserve football they've been playing the odd friendly here and there and that's why we ended up sending so many of them out on loan even to the lower level of Queen's Park which look at Connell showed he was a step above that you and Otto showed he was a step above playing for Clyde but it was the only avenue that they had to get them football between then and the end of the season the good thing about um, the, the O2 
point you make there, Colin, is obviously on a state of mind, which is the channel that Axom operates on. We um, also produced the official Clyde podcast on a Friday night, and they were raving about you and O2, raving about him from day one, um, the performances he was putting in, man of the match performances that he was putting in. So th- th- it's, a, it's a fine balance, I think, with loaning players out, because one of the points Declan made, and I think this is really important, is there has to be a philosophy about playing for the football club and if you loan out a dozen players which I think has been the average over the last 10 years every single season and more they're then getting philosophies from all over the place and mindsets from all over depending on where they're playing who their coach is etc then you bring them back into the fold there's also the issue in talking about a gateway or a pathway where we were forced to throw in a lot of young players Colin they didn't look ready Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't necessarily think they weren't up for it. I just don't think they looked ready for that challenge, that step up from playing youth football against other eighteen-year-olds to then getting thrown into the first team. But there was also another aspect, and this is a, a reason or an excuse for me to criticise Neil Lennon again. We threw in a right back in Anthony Ralston, who I said at the time was the best player against Livingston, and uh, I got the usual pile on because I had the audacity to say that Ralston had a good game. <laughs> but I said that Ralston played well. What was the benefit of him playing well to Anthony Ralston? Well, I'll tell you what the benefit was. We went away and bought John Joe Kenny and he, he wasn't seen again for the rest of the season. Yeah. So what, what are you saying to the youth players? If we really need you, the very, very worst, if we really need to play you, we will. But otherwise, you're not going to get a game. I yeah. think that was the message that we got from those two games in January. Yeah, I mean, you look at it and there was always a player breaking through at some point in previous seasons there was always one that you could rely upon that he maybe not play week in week out but you were like oh it's exciting to see this player coming through it started with Kieran Tierney it started with Callum McGregor even Mikey Johnson before I think Neil Lennon get his hands on him um, it was exciting players that you seen coming through last season there really wasn't that we were hoping that Karamoko Dembele would be that one but he wasn't given the game time he wasn't even part of the first team training at times so <laughs> It did look as if the sort of avenue that Declan's speaking about for first team, uh, for youth players to get into the first team, it was almost as if that door was shut and there was no way of getting through it. Now, it's now got to the stage where we're actually looking at some of our long term targets that are players that were in our youth team that we've let go. Yeah. And now we're having to spend money to bring them back. You're talking about Hickey. I'm Aaron talking Hickey. about Aaron yeah. Hickey. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's obviously going to be loads of players connected and linked to Celtic. There's there's a whole host of them already. And uh, I look at that one with interest, Colin, Aaron Hickey, because we know that we were in the race for him when he was leaving Hearts. Bologna offered him better terms uh, on a personal level. Celtic made money out of the deal anyway, I think, uh, because we had a percentage of a sell-on clause. Roughly, yeah. yeah. Was it about 300 grand Celtic made out of that deal? Something, something like that. that. And now we're back in for him. Um, we'll be talking about the Mitchelland potential lineup uh, because I know this will uh, suit Colin to talk about one of the players that made it into his team of the decade and we'll talk about that in just a second Colin um, some more points coming through who do you reckon should be the manager by the way the Colts because here's a name for you what about Darnell Day do you think it's that kind of level we're looking at is it going to be an internal shimmy to the side Darnell Day being the, the Colts manager what do you reckon this hasn't been announced yet has it no it's not been no. announced yet no I I'd imagine it would be internal yeah. yeah, if it's not internal, if, I mean the interesting thing is it's only a one-year thing. The Colts been in the the Lowland League. We don't know what the plan is going forward after that. But John Hughes would that have been a bad shout? 
I think again what it would depend on Colin is the pathway for the manager as well as the players so if they think to themselves I'm going to manage the Colts team because I think although yeah it's an initial one year they'll be looking towards their their proposal for next season already won't they Mm -hmm. and part of that will probably be the kind of financials that you know fans attending the games and broadcasting and sponsorship will bring in Um, and they'll be looking at that proposal but will managers see it because you see so many managers all across Europe who start with the B team and they make that progression up Benitez's first job was with the B team you know, will, will it get to that point? Is it also going to modernise the way that we, uh, you know, promote from within? A lot of people will say, well, you, you should give the job to the person who is the best at the job, regardless of any links that they have with Celtic. And I get that argument. But I, th- I also think that, you know, when it comes to this particular season, it's a one-off at the moment. I would maybe expect someone like Darnold Day to, to take the team. Would you be happy with that? I could see Kennedy doing it as well, if it was one way to keep him at the club. Mm. I think that would be something that Celtic would look to do if uh, Ange doesn't want him as part of his backroom team he'll end up being put in there mm. I don't know what you think Declan yeah, well, that's think... one of the big questions that's coming in Deck is who's the backroom team you see a lot of that coming through um, Brian Murphy why are Kennedy and Strachan still in the building I think they're still in the building because they're part of the backroom team yeah yeah, 100% I, I think that they will be sitting beside him against Midgieland and that first game against Sheffield Wednesday um, because I don't know if you've noticed in the interview with Paul Cuddy and Ange Postacoglu but their names just get slipped into the sentence and how important they've been and he has been in uh, contact with both of them and been talking to them regularly so I really do expect him to be in I think that was the hint in that interview that he would be there um, but yeah I think I totally agree with you Paul that in terms of young coaches especially can there be a, a, a pathway? You know, we saw Stephen McManus come in late on when John Kennedy got the job. And mm. yeah, he's been involved in the youth setup, but, you know, he's probably not had that a bit of time to go from taking charge of, you know, something a bit of pressure on it. Know that I'm saying the Celtic youth setup isn't, but in terms of coaching players, try to develop them, give them that progress. If you could then be saying, right, okay, Andrew Postacogo is looking at it and saying, right, okay, then give one of these guys a chance to come up and join my backroom team and the first team so yeah. I think that's something to look at um, for anybody that's you know and about the building they're probably the younger guys Stephen McManus Dan O'Day if that would be something that we would go for to then try and so. up in at the first team I think so and it's all about retaining talent I mean Sean Maloney for example he was in the yeah. building but we didn't retain mm-hmm. him you know and he's now he's now working with the, the, the top CD club in the world uh, country in the world in Belgium mm-hmm. did we not speak about this before though Paul when you go back to the likes of when Martin O'Neill took over he didn't have his backroom staff in right away, did he? Yeah, it took some time. Yeah, it took some time. I think so, was Kevin not speaking about Reaper was part of the coaching setup to begin with. I think he was. Mark aye. Reaper, so, aye. Yeah. If it gets to the stage, obviously, first the the training's back now, so you are going to need coaches to help you out taking the training. Postecoglou can't take to deal with everything, so having that backroom staff there and um, players that have been at or people that have been at the club then maybe over time he will replace them with his own people that he trusts. Mm-hmm. It's probably, I don't want to say important, but it, it probably is for them to be there as part of this transition period. 
Yeah, I think I think you're right. And uh, keep the questions coming in after the the broadcast is finished. You know where we are on social media. Uh, so, social media, Joy Division sixty one. Welcome back. You're commenting via Periscope on Twitter. Who is your backroom staff, and who chooses the income and transfer? It's a massive, a massive bone of contention at the moment. How can you possibly start building a new team if indeed you're not part of the recruitment process? Um, there's loads of players being linked to Celtic at the moment, as you would imagine. Uh, but one of the things that I find quite interesting is uh, we look at Scotland at the Euros. Uh, we waited 23 years, Colin, get used to this, guys, because uh, I know you are from our younger generation. You wait 23 years and it lasts eight days. Uh, now, in that squad of 26, half of them were either Celtic players, former Celts, or they were academy Celts. You know, so you can throw in Stephen O'Donnell, for example, Gallagher mm-hmm. and Robertson, I think, that was the third one, um, he, who didn't do too, too badly when he left Celtic. So half of the squads... I've got that Celtic connection. Is there anybody in there that would interest you moving forward, talking about a new era, a new team? Anybody in there that impressed you? Oh, I'd take Andy Robertson every day of the week, but I yeah. take it that's not one of John McGinn. Exactly. Aye. John would be all right. Oh, come on. We've got to get through a broadcast without mentioning, without mentioning John McGinn. We've got to get through a broadcast without mentioning him. Uh, anybody else that you think... But I've, I, Listen, I'm not pushing us towards Stephen O'Donnell. I know he's been mentioned a few times. That, for me, isn't the, the type of player that I think Celtic should be strengthening with. Anybody else? Anybody that think, uh, piqued your fancy? We, we might look at... Um, I'm not saying go out and buy him. It's probably Kevin Nisbet, just mm-hmm. for what he's done so far. And again, if it's probably coming down to Griff or Kevin Nisbet, I'd be opting for, for Kevin Nisbet over Lee Griffiths. But again, I don't know what they'll be looking at. Um, a price tag for him is another player I think we possibly could look at. Again, I'm not saying go and buy him as Ryan Fraser as, a, as an option, as a winger. Um, but it all depends, you know. And again, the sods, I wouldn't touch him. Um, I thought he played really, really well against England, but I just don't think it's a level of player that we should be trying to go for. No. No, what's your, what's your thoughts, Colin? Yeah, I think Declan's right. I think there was some players that really um, surprised people with their performances. I think Grant Hanley played really well for Scotland um, and was one that was probably a bit of a laughing figure amongst the Tartan army beforehand, but he he did come in and play well and when he got took off injured, eh, Scotland really struggled after that. Mm. But there there isn't really anybody, apart from the ones that are probably out with our price range, um, that you'd really like to see play for Celtic next season. Um, I know when you look at it, you mentioned about obviously players that were a part of the academy and stuff like that. Uh, Scott McTominay is actually on that list that was leaked out. He was someone that were looking to try and get in on loan. Mm. So that was that was an interesting one as well. I mean, would his career have progressed to the level that it's at if he'd came up here? Who knows? Um, <laughs> I know what I think. Um, even looking and we spoke about this last year as well even looking at the goalkeeper scenario I still wouldn't fancy taking David Marshall um, this season I think as his time's kind of come up now what is he 37 now so I don't think there is anybody again apart from the obvious ones that are out with our price range that I'd like to see at Celtic Park I'm just glad we never spent 6 million in Scott McKenna by the way because oh he was Yep. I've seen a lot of people mentioning uh, Hanley I know that you mentioned him as well Colin uh, but you've also got to say well he's a captain in Norwich is he not? Mm-hmm. Captain in Norwich yeah, he is, yeah. Um, yeah, so, yeah. they're in the EPL 
he gets a chance to play with the likes of Timu Puki every week. Why would he leave that? So when we're looking at some of the players that we've been linked with, Ryan Gold, Aaron Hickey, um, and others, I mean, it's happening every other day. You've got another name coming in. This is uh, welcome to pre-season. Hadjok split defender uh, is the latest one. Mario yeah. Voskovic. Um, let's let's talk about that first lineup in 26 days' time, Colin. Right. Uh, and realistically, I would guess that in the next three weeks or so, there'll be some additions to the squad. I would hope that we can bring in a centre-half, especially if Kasaya's on his way. I would hope that we can bring in a striker, even if we retain the services of Griffiths, as we are expecting if Edward was to leave. What's your line-up going into the Mitchellan game? Now, bearing in mind when Postacoglu walked into the dining cafeteria area, he went right up to... Ralston and give him a wee part, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so we're, we're talking about using the squad that we've got right now, then, and yeah. then we can compare it to see who we bring in between now and then. So mm. I think Barkas probably comes in as your number one goalkeeper. Um, I, as it stands at the minute, um, I think when he gets the chance to work with Postacoglu, it's a kind of fresh start for him. I think he's now been able to settle into Glasgow whereas he'd been living in a hotel for the vast majority of last season. So mm-hmm. you'd like to think that that might have helped him. Hopefully um, can socialise as well now and, you know, go out and play <laughs> golf or whatever and go for a meal. Play, or... play table tennis, <laughs> that kind of thing. Now yeah. that the restrictions have eased, you know. Um, right back will be the interesting one. Does he go with Anthony Ralston, like you're saying, or does O'Connor come in there? O'Connor's mm-hmm. done very well last season on loan. Um, part of the Irish national team at the minute as well so that'll be as it stands between them two I, I would throw O'Connor in just to see what he's got especially with the first leg being at home centre halves what have you got Stephen Welsh and it's either going to be <laughs> near beat on or <laughs> it's either going to be near beat on or uh, Leo Helge isn't it that's, that's all you've got uh, or Jack Hendry can we count Jack Hendry He's still officially a Celtic player. Um, Shaw yeah. as well, yeah. Shaw as well. Um, I'll go with Welsh and Hendry at the moment. Okay. Um, and go with Greg Taylor at left back. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think Bolly gets a, a fresh start at Celtic? I think he probably will, but it will be down to circumstances. You know, you know, just because we need, we're going to have to look at the areas of the park. I think Colin that really need strengthened, and if you've got a body in there at left back as a backup left back, because I still don't think you'd get a game ahead of Taylor. Mm-hmm. Then you'll probably be retained until we can either strengthen in that area of the park. But again, that that might be January because I don't think that's as much of a, of a priority as the centre half position and various other areas of the park so I, th- I think he'll, he'll definitely be getting a clean slate so going into the midfield I think James Forrest on the right hand side in the middle of the park I think you're looking at um, Turnbull McGregor and maybe Rogic. I think Rogic could be a surprise one to come back in I think with the, the connection there with Postacoglu hopefully we can get the best out of him Johnson on the left hand side and then up front if he's available you would go with Odson Edward but it looks as if he may be going to the Olympics with France. So it's between Albin Ayeti and Lee Griffiths. I, I can't back down from it. I'd need to put Albin Ayeti up front. I knew you would. I knew you would. Um, that lineup, Declan, interestingly, plays with two number 10s and no sorrow. Mm. How would you line up? Yeah, pretty much the same as 
Colin, Barkas and goals back four, Ralston, Taylor as the full backs, um, Welsh, and was probably likely going to be near Beaton. Um, McGregor, Soro, Turnbull as the 10, Johnson the left, Forrest on the right, and then probably I'll be a 80 up front. It's not a great prospect, but it is what it is at this point in time. Mm. We spoke about that back four calling a few months ago and uh, there was a few sniggers in the room when we suggested that it might line up as such, but it's coming to fruition. Um, if indeed Chris Iyer leaves, if indeed you know Henry is unavailable for selection at that point, and if we have not brought anybody else in um, at, by that stage in three weeks' time, it's going to be a difficult one. But uh, do we have enough, Colin, to scrape through the first qualifying round? I'll be positive. Let's say yes. Let, let's start on good terms here. Um, and I, I still think there will be one or two that comes in before the deadline. I, I'm pretty sure there will be. Now, one final question before we go. Uh, we cannot um, leave today's show without focusing on the other person Neil Lennon fell out with today, which was Ian Maxwell. Um, it was an interesting discussion. I'll come to you first. Declan, first and foremost, I would say that regardless of how many buses you need to take to games and training, Neil, we shouldn't have gone to Dubai. I mean, should that not have been the, the question that anybody on that panel posed to Neil Lennon there? I think, you know, I'm still of the opinion on this that Neil Lennon might think that the club are hard done by. He's entitled to that opinion. But the fact that the chief executive came out in a video to apologise to Celtic fans saying, we got it wrong, and then a couple of days later, we get a completely different argument and insight. It's woeful PR. And any company, whether it's a football club, a business, you all go by the same company line, and that wasn't it. So, you know, the club had made the decision that it was a bad idea. So why did Neil Lennon think to go away and stay away from what the club's PR was? Because surely that was what the, the feeling was within the building. Now, mm. again, that's maybe been... Um, something that's caused a bone of contention still because Brian Wilson was still saying a couple of weeks ago that we were shafted but the club came out and apologised said sorry, that should have been it it was a wrong decision why we went there is still ludicrous and I won't change my opinion on that I agree with you Declan, Colin, anything to add? I just love the use of the word shafted there, that was, that was a great way to, to round it up De I think. Declan has got that, that knack though Colin, of every so often just thrown in a wee word that um, it's perfect. Perfect yeah. for the narrative. Well done. Um, great to have you back, Declan McConville, and your recovery continues. We'll be back tomorrow at 12.30, and we will also have representation at the Celtic Press Conference with Ange and Dom. If you've got any questions for the CEO or the manager, keep sending them in to myself, Colin, Declan, or the Axon pages, and we will send our representative uh, armed with as many questions as possible, and we will then share the video on all our platforms. Thanks, everybody, for getting involved on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter, and thank you to Colin Watt and Declan McConville for joining me on A Celtic State of Mind.
Hey, what's up, guys? This is MMA fighter Clay Guida, and I'm not afraid of anyone or anything. But losing my hair was an entirely different kind of fight. So if you're suffering from hair loss like I was, then you got to check out my boys at Bosley. Pound for pound, they are the champions of hair restoration. That's why I turned to Bosley to get my hair back. The entire Bosley team was so professional and kind from start to finish. All it took was a simple one-day procedure, and I was on my way back to rocking my full hair again. So take it from me. Don't wait if you are thinning or receding. I'm so thrilled with my results, I just wish I would have went to Bosley sooner. It's time to finally knock out hair loss because the best is yet to come. Check out Bosley today. When MMA fighter Clay Guida was losing his hair, he trusted Bosley to get it back. Now it's your turn. Get a free information kit, plus get a $250 off gift card when you text SCORE to 203203. That's text SCORE to 203203. Don't wait. Text SCORE to 203203. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio is a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.